0: Let's pray. Father, we thank you uh, for your grace to us and your grace to us in what we just participated in. Thank you, Lord, that you call us as your children into one family where you are our Father, Christ Jesus as our Lord and Savior, our elder brother. And through him, we have life and are adopted as your children. Through him we are forgiven 100. And through him we are called to love and serve you and those around us. Father, we pray that your grace of your word and your spirit would continue to be at work in all of our hearts and minds, and especially in the hearts and minds of our, of our children, that they would know you, know that they are loved by you, and that they would serve you faithfully all their days. Father, now we ask that your word, your gospel would come to us, not only in word, but in power, with your Holy Spirit, and with full assurance. Father, glorify your name in the preaching of your word, we pray in Jesus' name, amen. Would you stand with me as we hear God's word uh, read, 1 John 3, 11 through 24, 1 John 3, 11 through 24. Hear God's word to us. For this is the message that you have heard from the beginning, that we should love one another. We should not be like Cain, who was of the evil one and murdered his brother. And why did he murder him? Because his own deeds were evil, and his brother's righteous. Do not be surprised, brothers, that the world hates you. But if anyone has the world's goods and sees a brother in need, yet closes his heart against him, how does God's love abide in him? Little children, let us not love in word or talk, but in deed and truth. By this we shall know that we are of the truth and reassure our hearts before him. For whenever our heart condemns us, God is greater than our heart." And He knows everything. Beloved, if our heart does not condemn us, we have confidence before God. And whatever we ask, we receive from Him because because we keep His commandments and do what pleases Him. And this is the commandment, that we believe in the name of His Son, Jesus Christ, and love one another just as He commanded us. Whoever keeps his commandments abides in him, and he in them, and by this we know that he abides in us by the Spirit whom he has given. Friends, this is the word of God for us, the people of God, and so we declare thanks be to God. You may be seated. It's so nice to see all of you today. It's like a full house, kind of. It's kind of fun. I'm ready to preach here to, to all of your, your shining faces. What is the greatest commandment? Yeah, just that. The greatest commandment, according to Jesus, is what? To love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and to love your neighbor as yourself. This is the greatest commandment in two parts, to love God and to love one another. That's according to Jesus. And so, according to Jesus, love is the fulfillment of God's purpose for us. Love is the fulfillment of God's purpose for you and for me. God has shown us what love is by giving us his son. And God, by giving us his son, has also called us to love. Love is the fulfillment of God's purpose in his people. Who is God calling you to love? Now, I'm going to preach on verses 11 through 24 of this chapter, but you know, something can happen sometimes in this action of preaching. I can preach about love and it remains in the realm of uh, nice thoughts unless there is an object in order to practice love on. Love is never intended to stay in the conceptual realm of nice thinking. Love always is worked out in real time, in real life, with real people. So today, I'm going to ask you to ask God who are you calling me to love? And I don't mean somebody in China or Afghanistan or Bolivia, though we love all people. I'm asking you, who in your household, in your life, is God calling you to love? Just Do you have that person in your mind? Because I'm going to ask you later in the sermon, as we're learning about love, to apply that to that person. That person may be easy to love, that person might be hard to love. That person might be your best friend, that person might not be your friend. Who's God calling you to love? Who you can love right where you are. Whoever God raises up in your mind, maybe that's the person he wants you to love. you got that person? Okay. Everything that happens in verses 11 through 24 is based on what John has just taught us in verse 10. So I just want to go back one moment so we, we set the frame. We set the context and understand what John is talking about. So last week, uh, preached on this, uh, didn't comment except to say that we're going to c- touch love this week, but I just want to get it back in our head. So First John 3.10 says this, if you have your Bible, you can follow along. By this, it is evident who are children of God and who are children of the devil. Whoever does not practice righteousness is not of God, nor is the one who does not love his brother. Okay, so last week we were talking about because we have been born anew that Jesus has given us his righteousness. Do you remember that at the beginning of the passage? That that we are righteous in God's sight and since we are righteous in God's sight, made his children, we do righteous things. Not to earn God's favor, but, but, but because we have God's favor and he's calling us to live in a way that others will see our good works and turn to God. So we are to live righteously, obediently. That's what it means to love God. And you remember last week, John, as John does, this this very stark comparison. There are children of God and there's children of the devil. And the children of God are righteous and they love, and children of the devil are unrighteous and don't love, don't know how to love. And then he drops this on us. Uh, Whoever does not practice righteousness is not of God, okay, nor is the one who does not love his brother. So what John is saying is that if we are able, if we have an opportunity to love and we don't love, that's called sin. To have the opportunity to love and not love, refuse love, is sin. And then John in 11 through 24 defines what love is. So let's look. First, He gives us the command to love in verses 11 through 15. This is the command to love. He says, For this is the message that you have heard from the beginning, that we should love one another. And and Jesus says that, and John chronicles it in his gospel. In fact, Jesus says it again and again and again. If you're my disciples, love one another, right? Uh, That that love is the defining mark of the follower of Jesus. And in fact, love is the standard it's the measure of our christian life okay so for this is the message that we should love one another and then as he talks he's given the command and as he wants us to understand the command john gives us a negative example of what love is not and he talks about cain and abel anybody remember cain and abel Cain and Abel, uh, Genesis chapter 4. Cain and Abel are the children of Adam and Eve. And Cain is a farmer and Abel is a shepherd. And both of those young men uh, grow up. Uh, They bring at some point in time their offerings to the Lord. In Genesis 4, you can read all about this. And what happens is Cain brings his offering of grain and the Lord doesn't accept it. Abel brings his offering, and the Lord accepts it. Why? Well, because Cain offers his offering uh, not rightly. Abel offers his offering from a pure heart, from a heart that is right and ready to love God. Cain is so upset about this That instead of taking it up with God, he looks at his brother who has acted righteously. And Cain resents his brother who has acted rightly. And Cain kills his brother because his brother has acted rightly. Talk about a messed up family dysfunction, right? So, Look at verse 12, we should not be like Cain, who was of the evil one and murdered his brother. And why did he murder him? Because his own deeds were evil and his brother's righteous. Do not be surprised, brothers, that the world hates you. Um, Don't be like Cain. Isn't that like, kind of like the basic lesson that you've ever heard in your life? Don't kill your brother. Parents, have you ever said that? to one of your children? Don't kill your brother. I've actually said that. Don't kill your brother. But it's kind of a basic lesson, right? Like, like, we are called to love our brothers and sisters, not harm them. Here's the point. Cain was evil, and he resented Abel's right offering. There's a principle here, and it's this. Those who do not do what is right hate those who do. Have you ever found when you have attempted to do what is right that you have been resented or punished for it? The the secular, cynical, modern-day phrase is no good turn is unpunished, no good deed goes unpunished. That's kind of cynical, I don't like it. But there's a principle here, and that is When God's people act in ways that are right, those who are not right resent it. If you've ever tried to love someone in a way that makes you vulnerable or you go out on a limb, you're not sure if it will be received or not, sometimes it comes back as resentment. How dare you say that to me? How dare you do that for me? I don't need you to do that. When that happens to the people of God, when our attempts to love is met with resentment and hatred, what's our response? What's your response? Maybe the person I asked you to think about at the beginning, maybe that's a person who's hard for you to love. Maybe from that person you have received resentment when you're only trying to love them. What's your response? Do you say, I've done my part, check them off the list, I'm done. No. No, that's not what we do. Look at at verse 13. Don't be surprised, brothers, that the world hates you. We know that we have passed out of death into life because we love the brothers. Whoever does not love abides in death. Everyone who hates his brother is a murderer, and you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. Basically, if, if you try to love somebody and they resent you for it and you go, well, fine, I won't love you anymore. Well, that's not the response of the people of God. The response of the people of God is to continue to love. The response of the people of God is to continue to reach out. The response of the people of God, no matter what we receive in return, is Love. John wants us not only to be commanded to love, but he wants us to understand the the qualities and the characteristics of this love, because it's hard to love the world. And it's hard to love when we are met with resentment instead. It's hard to love when people don't understand what we're trying to do. And so John, he gives us the qualities of love that we are to, to emulate. And they are to be sacrificial, to see, and to do. Look at verse 16. By this we know love, that he, Jesus, laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for the brothers. Uh, when he's talking about the brothers, um, We are called to love the world. The context here um, is within the family of God, within the brotherhood and sisterhood of what it means to be part of God's family. And so if we are to love the world well, guess what? It has to start in the household of God. We have to love one another well. We have to love one another in these ways well if we are going to be able to love in a world that doesn't understand who Christ is and what love truly is. And so all of these commandments are for us first in the church. And so, he says in verse 17, But if anyone has the world's goods and sees his brother in need, yet closes his heart against him, how does God's love abide, live, remain in him? Little children, let us not love in word or talk, but in deed and truth. First, love sacrifices True love sacrifices. Do you see the word lay, The words lay down your life, lay down one's life? We already know that our standard for love is the cross. We already know that our standard, our measure for love is Jesus. And Jesus laid down his life for us. Now, does this mean that we are to die for one another? Well, ultimately, yeah, that is what that means. That that we, as the family of God, should love each other to the extent that we are willing to lay down our life for one another. But let's be real. God's probably not going to call us to do that, at least not a majority of us, right, in our lifetimes. However, what does it mean to lay down your life? Moms, what does it mean to lay down your life? Husbands, what does it mean to lay down your life? Parent, what does it mean to lay down your life? It means that we live our lives in such a way that we are choosing to love others more than fulfilling our wishes, wants, and desires. To love sacrificially is to lay down your life. A shepherd is not called generally to die for his sheep. However, the shepherd routinely lays down his own comfort, his own wants, in order to keep his sheep alive. To lay down one's life for another is to care about them in such a way that you are changing your behavior in such a way as to pour love on that person. Love is sacrificial. It also, love also sees need. Love opens its eyes. Look at verse 17. If anyone has the world's goods and sees his brother in need, yet closes his heart against him, how does that person love? Love looks. It's interesting. You know, God has all resources. God most often meets needs through resources He's already put into the hands of others. I would submit to us right now that there's not one person in this congregation who has a need that could not be filled by others in this congregation. I might be wrong, I might be naive, but I just think that God, in his infinite sovereignty, places in the hands of his people, in his church, the resources that they need in order to love one another well and for all of them to move forward. John says to his flock, he says, listen, if you're all together and God's already given you stuff, and you see a brother whom, for whom Christ died, whom you know in your fellowship, a brother who is in need, and you see it and you close your heart, you can call that love. Love looks, love sees. I have an inclination, something that I've noticed. Um, you know, we're so tired of talking about the last two years. I, I, don't, I don't like talking about the last two years. We, we all know the effects, and we all know the controversies. We all, all know the junk. Um, but, but here's an observation. Now, as we're starting to read, you know, studies of the impact on mental health or emotional health or, or or ties that bind people, relational health and things like that. We're starting to see more and more and more um, that this pandemic has just caused all kinds of issues in all kinds of places that we never thought that they would. Here's my observation. Couldn't it, can it be that because of what we've been conditioned to do over the last two years, how we've been conditioned to live, how we've been conditioned to draw back and to be, be safe, to draw back and to, and to protect ourselves. And this is nothing, again. you've got to protect yourself, you've got to be safe. And I just wonder, in our, in our conditioning to do that in so many realms of life, Have we also drawn our hearts away from one another? There are some Sundays at 8 o'clock, I'll sit down right there at about 1 minute to 8, and there are 12 people in this room. Now, some of it might be the middle of winter and scraping ice off your your truck and all that stuff. But, but, But it's been happening since we reopened. And I get up to preach 15 or 20 minutes later and there's 90 people in the room. And then we start singing our closing song and people start peeling away. And people head for the doors. Now, I know. Some of us need to be more careful than others. I get it. This is not about health, but I'm asking about the state of our heart, and I'm just wondering if how we've been conditioned to live over the last two years has affected our hearts in a way that our hearts are a little bit more closed to one another instead of open to one another. I just wonder if the way that we've had to survive has impacted the way that we view and interact with one another. And, and, and all I would say is if, if you think that there's something to that, I don't have all the ideas, but find a way to point yourself towards a brother or a sister. Find a way to have a connection with another Christian in this body. Find a way to sit around a table on a a Sunday morning. But don't let your heart get drawn away. Don't wear a mask on your heart. And don't close it off to our brothers and our sisters. Some who are in need... May our hearts be open and willing and available. May we look, may we see. And when we look and when we see, may we do. Love does. Uh, look, Look at what he says in verse 18. Little children, let us not love in word or talk, but in deed and truth. You know what he's saying? Talk is cheap. That's what he's saying. Talk is cheap. Don't don't say I love you and then I look at you and I see that you have need that I could fill and I leave you. It's not love. Don't look and see and leave. It's not love. Love as the Bible defines it is doing what is needed to care for the needs of others. It doesn't exclude warm feelings or commitments. Of course, love has an emotional, uh, warm part to it, but but it means more than that. It means that we live in a way that considerately responds to the needs of those around us. That means myriad things. It means something to you. It might mean something different to me. But it means making life-sustaining resources available. It means reaching. It means embracing. It means walking alongside. And of course, it means sharing the faith and the love of Christ with those who are in need of it. And that's all of us. Love does, love acts in ways that are true. We are commanded to love. He gives us the characteristics of love. And then he gives us confidence to love. You know, um, to love is hard. I mean, to love someone who's willing to receive your love, that, that's a whole universe in and of itself. In order to, to, to walk in such a way with someone where 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 needs are met, where love is real and evident, it takes time. It takes effort. Now to love in a way where it's met with resentment, it's even tougher. John knows that. And that's why the Holy Spirit gives us verses 19 through 24. Because loving is hard. And sometimes when we love, people don't understand what we're trying to do. Sometimes when we love and we we share faith, people don't want to hear it. Sometimes when we love and our love is messages of admonition or warning, it's shut out. Sometimes when we love in a way that we think is good, and someone is um, insulted, we are rebuffed. Love can go sideways all the time. And John knows it. So look what he says in 19. He says, by this we shall know that we are of the truth and reassure our heart before him. For whenever our heart condemns us, have, has your heart ever condemned you when it comes to love you've tried to love and you've been you've been rebuffed or you saw and you didn't do one of the old prayers of confession says forgive us for what we ought to have done oh man if your heart condemns you Look at this. God is greater than our heart, and He knows everything. God is greater than our failed attempts to love. God is greater than love that is resented. God is greater. Beloved, if our heart does not condemn us, we have confidence before God and whatever we ask, we receive from Him because we keep His commandments and do what He pleases. If love has gone sideways for you, know that God sees your heart. He knows your intention. And the story is not yet done. Verse 23, when all else fails, this is the commandment, that we believe in the name of His Son, Jesus Christ. We love one another. That person in your mind, that person in your life, the person whom you love, the person who maybe you don't love and God's calling you to love and so you have to love. If it goes sideways, keep loving. Trust Jesus and love one another. And this is what God will do. Whoever keeps his commandments abides in him, remains in him, makes his home in him, and he in them. And by this we know that he abides in us by the Spirit whom he has given us. The Holy Spirit lives in us. And the Holy Spirit will kindle his love in you for that person The Holy Spirit will help you love. The Holy Spirit will help you obey. The Holy Spirit will help you look to Jesus. The Holy Spirit who remains in you will perfect your love. Praise His name. There is One thing at the end of the day that the people of God are called to do. It's to love. And so may we love with confidence knowing that that same love transformed our hearts to receive the grace of God and it is that love that we are called to share with one another that our love for one another might bind us together like glue and might be in between each other like oil for when we rub each other the wrong way and may that love that is here spill out that those who do not know the love of Christ might know him, might receive him, all for God's glory. Let's pray. Father, you've commanded us, you've shown us, you give us the equipment to love, the confidence to love, Lord, love is um, it's a messy thing. God, I pray that we all would hang in there looking to Jesus who as the centurion drove a nail through his hand said, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Father, may we love like that. And may we not stop loving like that until the earth is filled with your glory. In the name of Christ we pray, amen.